I'll respond to comments regarding the Gabby Petito case that we discussed yesterday. The prosecutor saved the best for last in the Jonathan Majors trial. An example of what is not self-defense or others or property, but murder. Uh, your kids are not safe at school. It was on sale, so it might not even be a crime if I took it. And then our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Hi, lawyer. Lawyer. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. And make sure you hit that little bell so that you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content because we're still working around that little shadow band from YouTube. All right? Now, before we get to the docket today, I want to talk about some of the comments as it relates to the Gabby Petito case from the story that we talked about yesterday. So as you know... Gabby Petito's parents are suing Brian Laundrie's parents for intentional infliction of emotional distress, alleging that the statement that they put out that they hope Gabby returns home was false and they knew it and therefore it was with the intent to cause them pain and anguish. All right. I personally think the lawsuit should not have been filed, but in our American legal system, you can sue anyone for anything. And the legal standard is such that if you make out the elements of the offense in a civil case, the elements of the uh, alleged tort, then the case goes forward and then discovery needs to go forward and you can see if you have enough to make the case. Well, the attorneys for the Petitos wanted to have the attorney that was retained by the laundry family for their son to discuss what he discussed. Now, that is offensive and any attorney should have known that, that that would be a breach of the attorney-client privilege. That would be like the laundry family coming back and saying, you know, we're going to sue you for intentional infliction of emotional distress because you filed this lawsuit knowing that it was frivolous. And by the way, we want to know what you and your attorneys talked about during your conversations. Did you think, hey, maybe this case is a little weak, and but maybe we can get enough to go forward on it. Uh, we could lose. How about that? When you talk about the strengths and weaknesses of your case, should that be come under the breach of attorney-client privilege because maybe you sued somebody? No, of course not. That would be ridiculous. Anyway, the Petito's lawyer withdrew the motion to compel the attorney to actually testify. It was the right thing to do. I don't think a court would have allowed it. But I think it goes to show you that there isn't enough there. But hey, a jury may decide and disagree with my analysis. So a lot of questions came in yesterday about this, and I understand that it is an emotional subject. And yes, if that was my daughter, I would want justice, but you're not gonna get it. I've always said, if you want justice, you're not gonna go get it in a courtroom. You really are not, all right? So this is from one of our viewers' questions, and it kind of summarizes a lot of the questions uh, that we've received. Scott, well, you're right. No amount of money will bring Gabby back. I have to tell you, however, that the Petitos have every right to sue these horrifying people. We all know they knew Gabby was either dead or in a grave danger, yet did nothing to alert authorities of what their own son had divulged to them. I love you, Scott, but you're wrong. And then the follow-up question is, Scott, so could you explain the difference of the legal ramifications of a friend or a relative who has knowledge that someone has either been unalived or gravely hurt someone versus what the laundries participated in? Much appreciated. Yes, oftentimes we talk about what is the difference between morally the thing to do and legally the thing to do. 
okay? So let me give you an example. A family member, let's say his son, goes to his parents and says, I've done something terrible, I'm a horrible person, uh, the girlfriend is never coming home. And that's it. The parents don't do anything. What obligation do they have to go to the police? Under the law, zero, none, zip, nada. No one could compel them to go do that. There is a federal crime of misprison of a felony, but that's it. Now, if the parents engage in some conduct that says, okay, I know that a crime has been committed, let me help you escape, then they could be charged with accessory after the fact in aiding and abetting them. If they go and move evidence, move a body, once again, accessory after the fact, maybe charges with uh, tampering with evidence, something along those lines. But once again, they don't have a duty to go to the police, at least not legally. Morally, you may think so, but under the law, you don't. So I get it. You would think people would do the morally right thing to do, but most people don't. And remember, you may, you may not like it, but the reality of it is, is that what morally you should do versus legally what you should do are two separate concepts. And the morally thing to do will probably get you charged or your family member charged versus the legality thing to do, which is keep your mouth shut. Now, Perhaps should the Petitos not put out any statement? Sure, they said they felt pressure to put out a statement. They say they did not know specifically what was taking place. They didn't know the specifics. I get it, you may not believe them, but that's the evidence thus far. So I'm not sure how the uh, plaintiffs in this case, the Petito family, is gonna withstand a motion for summary judgment when the evidence is we didn't know. It's not what, remember, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you believe. It only matters what you can prove. All right, so I hope that explains it a little better. Maybe I didn't articulate it very well the other day, but hopefully that helps. Let's go ahead and uh, open the uh, record for December 14th, 2023. And first on the docket, prosecution saves the best for last in the majors trial. So uh, several, which could possibly be described as disturbing text messages and some audio recording from Jonathan Major's ongoing trial regarding the alleged assault uh, charges against him have been made public by the Manhattan District Attorney Office. The released evidence, which was shown in court last week, is between Majors and his girlfriend, Grace Jabari, who accused him of assaulting her in the backseat of a car back in March. Now, the evidence includes text messages in which Majors threatens to kill herself and an audio recording of an argument in which Majors told Jabari she needed to act more like Coretta Scott King and Michelle Obama. Now, the text messages are from September of 2022 and discuss a prior incident between Majors and Jabari when they were a couple. Now, Major appears to dissuade Jabari from going to the hospital after she suffered a head injury. He says, quote, I fear you have no perspective of what could happen if you go to the hospital, Majors wrote. They will ask you questions, and as I don't think you can actually protect us, and it could lead to an investigation, even if you do lie and they suspect something. Jabari responded, I will tell the doctor I bumped my head. If I go, I'm going to give it one more day, but I can't sleep and I need some strong painkillers, that's all. Why would I want to tell them what really happened when it's clear I want to be with you? 
Now, part of Jabari's uh, next message was redacted, but she wrote, I will not go to the doctor if you don't feel safe with me doing so. I promise I would never mention you, but I understand your fear. Now, during her testimony last week, uh, Jabari said that uh, Majors had previously warned her about trusting the police because of what they would do to him as he was a black man. Now, Majors also wrote, last night I considered killing myself versus coming home, and I will probably kill myself. I don't really contemplating anymore. I am a monster, a horrible man, not capable of love. I am killing myself soon. I've already put things in motion. In addition to the text messages, there was also an audio clip of September 2022 argument between Majors and Jabari that was also released from the court. During the clip, Majors tells Jabari that she has to be a certain mindset to support him. Like Coretta Scott King was to Martin Luther King Jr. and Michelle Obama to Barack Obama. Let's take a listen. Period. This is actually, period. Do you understand that? Yeah. Do you really know this? Do you really? Yes. Then how dare you come home drunk and disturb the peace of our house when we have a plan? I would, like to get to, I would like to get to the point where your friends know what job I'm on and go, I think Grace is going to be out of commission. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I won't. So, like, I'm, I, no, no, do you understand that? Because cause that team, that unit, right, Grace has to be in a certain mindset to support Coretta Scott King. You know who that is? That's Martin Luther King's wife. Michelle Obama, Barack Obama's wife. I know, I'm not, I, I, I shouldn't have gone out, I'm no, no, sorry. Let me, just, let me just lay it out for you, right? If I am, I'm just gonna say this, my temper, my sh my trauma, blah, blah, all that, all that said, right? And I'm gonna say, I'm a great man, a great man. I am doing great things, not just for me, but for my, for my culture and for the world. That is actually the position I'm in. That's real. I'm not being a dick about it. I didn't ask for it. I've worked and that's the situation. The woman that supports me, that I support, that, work, that needs to be a great woman and make sacrifices the way that man is making for her and for them, ultimately. Last night, two nights ago, you did not do that. I'm you sorry. did not do that. I'm sorry. Which, which took away from the plan. And the plan is everything. <clears throat> if it was just you in the house drunk, maybe I could have swallowed it. Or, or, or I would have felt bold enough like, oh, hey, let's just go to bed. Which I said to her, I'm just going to go to bed. I'm not, I'm not hungry, blah, 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 blah. Because Grace isn't here. Why? She was drunk. Why else? She was clogged by whatever was going on. You know what I mean? Fine. I can take that. I, I, fine. So, he's a great man. Um, okay. Well, the district attorney's office also released photographs of Jabari's injuries that were submitted as evidence in the trial. Now, on Monday, the jury was shown an x-ray of Jabari's right middle finger, which was bruised and had a hairline fracture after Majors allegedly assaulted her. Now, the uh, hospital doctor who treated Jabari the morning after the incident testified that she was given a splint for the finger and treated for a two centimeter long cut behind her right ear. Well, on Wednesday morning, the judge rejected a motion by Major's lawyers to dismiss the charges, also known as a motion for judgment of acquittal. The attorneys argued that the prosecution had not presented sufficient evidence to prove the legal requisite intent for Major's and the assault and harassment charges. The judge denied that request, which followed another rejected motion to dismiss the case back in the fall, uh, right before the trial had started. 
Now, that's routine. You file the motion. The judge denies it. This case is going to a jury. It is not going to get dismissed. Prosecution has to present a prima facie case satisfying some evidence to each element of the offense charged. If that's the case, the jury decides from there. The judge is not going to kick it out. The judge uh, cited testimonies from Jabari and Navid Sarwar, the driver of the car in which the alleged incident occurred for the rejected dismissal request. The lawyers argued that the testimonies did not show majors had the legal requisite intent to harass, annoy, alarm, or threaten Jabari. Now, in Jabari's testimony last week, she said that Majors was trying to keep her out of his way and trying to make me stay in the car during the alleged assault. Now, on Monday, Sawar testified that Majors opened the car door trying to get rid of Jabari, and Majors said, leave me alone. I want to go. I have to go. Was not doing anything and was not doing anything. The judge cited these uh, parts of Jabari's and Sawar's testimony in regards to the motion to dismiss. The prosecutors obviously objected to the motion to dismiss, saying there's enough evidence via testimony, videos, and photographs to prove that Majors alleged assault. The prosecution also argued that the um, traffic cam and security video footage shows Majors repeatedly pushing Jabari back into the vehicle with all of his force, and that is intent on his face. Now, the force that uh, Majors was allegedly uh, using speaks for his actions, the prosecutor uh, noted, and the judge ruled that there is sufficient competent evidence that there is clear that Majors and Jabari were involved in an altercation where Jabari has indicated that she suffered substantial pain. The prosecution rested its case on Wednesday morning and the defense began calling its witnesses. The first to uh, take the stand was a detective, Mejia, who had reviewed Major's case and uh, Dr. Tammy Weiner, an emergency medical attending physician, speaking as a medical expert. The defense also argued that Jabari fabricated the allegations to get back at Major's after their breakup, and they met back in August of 2021 on the London set of Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp, and uh, dated for two years before Majors ended the relationship the night of the alleged assault. Like I said, Majors is on trial for three misdemeanor counts of an assault and harassment, to which he's obviously pled not guilty. If he's convicted, he faces up to one year in jail. Uh, classic DV case, uh, the truth is somewhere in between for sure. The question is, is Mr. Majors gonna testify and say that he was acting in self-defense. We'll have to wait and see. Next, can you use deadly force to protect property? Can you use deadly force to protect another? Well, these decisions are gonna be answered in a South Carolina case. Why? Because a South Carolina father and son have been arrested and charged with murder for killing a neighbor who was armed with a machete who had intruded on their land. Hmm. So Ryan Linder and his son, Ryan Linder Jr., are accused of shooting a guy by the name of Kevin Newhouse after an argument. Well, the sheriff down there in Lexington County said that the father and son, who are known for operating Linder Farms outside of Columbia, South Carolina, were confronting Newhouse about a prior intrusion that had happened at another address. Authorities said that the Linders prevented Newhouse from returning home and Linder Jr. claims that Newhouse swung the machete at both he and his father and struck the two men. Investigators say that then the elder Linder had disarmed Newhouse before telling his son to shoot the victim. Linder Jr. is accused of firing three to four rounds with a Glock handgun 
with one striking Newhouse in the head, the fatal shot. Well, the father and son were taken into custody last weekend and currently being held without bond until they appear in court. Now, both men have been charged with murder and possession of a weapon during a violent crime, and they will face life in prison if convicted. Ladies and gentlemen, what have we said? You have a right to defend yourself if you are in fear of death or serious bodily injury. And depending on the law in your state, sometimes you don't have to retreat. But if you confront somebody, you are the initial aggressor. At that point, then somebody else has to, you have to retreat usually before you can actually engage in conduct. But if somebody is disarmed, and I get it, I get it, but if somebody is disarmed and the dad, according to these facts, and they may change, but according to what we know so far, if the dad tells the son to shoot the guy, that's an execution. That's just murder, ladies and gentlemen. Not good. What have I said for years and years and years? Let it go. Call the police. Let them deal with it. You don't need to get into that situation. And protecting your property, that is, it gets a little tricky when you start using deadly force. But this wasn't defense of a property. This was defense of a property where the victim allegedly tried to break into a house where the son was building a home because he's getting married. Not a good set of circumstances for the defendants in this particular case. Next, your children. They're not safe anywhere. This is getting ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen. So two adults have been arrested after seven fourth graders at a Virginia elementary school ate gummies that were apparently laced with fentanyl. So Nicole Sanders and Clifford Duggan Jr., take a look at these two, have been charged with contributing to delinquency of a minor, their own kid. Anyway, their arrest came after the children became ill moments after sharing the candy at lunch which had been brought into the Central Elementary School by a child the two adults care for. The kids developed nausea, headache, and muscle spasms, with five being rushed to the hospital for treatment. Now, the bag is the one thing that was issue here. The bag used to transport the gummy bears later indicated a positive reaction for fentanyl. All five children were subsequently discharged from the hospital, and um, obviously it's a scary situation for all of the kids and their parents, to say the least. Anyway, the officials confirmed that the bag the kids ate from had been brought in from home by a student. The law enforcement officers tested the gummies and they tested negative for a foreign substance. However, when they tested just for residue in the bag, the field test indicated a positive response for fentanyl. Now, the fentanyl was contained to the bag and they didn't have any indication that fentanyl was an additional uh, surfaces or anything like that in the building. And the uh, school confirmed that they've cleaned the building just to make sure uh, and instructed the uh, principals to reiterate the importance of not sharing food. Now, a second bag brought in by the child's sibling was also tested, but uh, did not test positive for fentanyl. The uh, couple was arrested on uh, Wednesday. Mr. Duggan Jr. also faces charges for possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. So it just shows you how dangerous this fentanyl stuff is, ladies and gentlemen. Residue from where fentanyl was in a baggie caused these kids to get sick. Residue. It doesn't take much. It's a good thing. Thank goodness all these kids were safe, but it just shows you how dangerous the world is is out there, ladies and gentlemen. Be careful, protect yourself. Next, well, if it was on sale, it's almost like it's free. Why are we even charged? 
Well, two men accused of stealing items from the uh, Kohl's department store, uh, specifically a kitchen aid appliances, argued for a lesser charge during their trial because some of the items were on sale. Now, the district attorney's office here in the 18th Judicial District, which includes um, Lincoln, Elbert, Douglas, and Arapahoe County, alleged that Michael Green and uh, Byron Bolden were uh, sentenced after they were convicted of retail theft from the uh, Kohl's department store. Now, the investigators learned Green and Bolden were connected to other coal thefts, leading the store to call the duo the KitchenAid Mixer Crew. Now, the both men pled not guilty to the crimes, which is certainly their constitutional right to do so. We encourage that sometimes. And during the trial, the defense attorney told members of the jury, because obviously they had to concede that Green and Bolden were there and they were caught, that they should face a lesser misdemeanor charge since some of the items were on sale at the time of the theft. Because remember, our legislature changed the law and it said, under Colorado law, theft less than $2,000 is a misdemeanor, while theft between two to 5,000 is a felony, and obviously more than that is a felony as well. And um, the items that were stolen in this particular case were just about $2,095. Well, needless to say, the prosecutor stated that just because an item is on sale doesn't mean it's free to steal. And these defendants uh, now get to think about the lesson in jail and prison, the elected district attorney said. District attorney also noted that retailers in our community are fed up with theft and his office is actively prosecuting these thieves. Now, the jury convicted both of the men on felony theft. Guess the jury didn't buy the it was on sale, so therefore it's only a misdemeanor argument. But hey, we've all been there. We've made that argument, haven't we? Of course we have. The attorneys were doing their job. And the jury listened to the evidence and they rejected that argument. That's the way the system works. Anyway, Mr. Green was sentenced to 15 months in prison because, well, he had some other cases going on. And Mr. Bolden was given 90 days jail and 18 months probation. Just a little point of interest here. Apparently, the Loss Prevention Research Council and the National Retail Federation found retail losses swelled to 102.1 billion with a B in 2022, which is up about 19% to $93 billion. Ladies and gentlemen, property crimes are not victimless crimes. That's somebody else's property. Now there's this fallacy that people think, well, if you own a business, you must be a big store. You can eat a loss. What's the big deal? You're rich. You probably have insurance. You can afford it. Well, guess what? When the insurance company won't insure you anymore because there's too many thefts, and then you don't have money to go buy new products because, well, you paid for one and you don't have any money to go buy a new one because it was stolen, guess what? Companies lose business. And then what happens? Companies shut down. Then what happens? The neighborhood goes to crap. What have we said? Crime creates poverty. And if people allow it, they get what they deserve, okay? The community needs to stand up to tell these people, not here. We're not going to tolerate it. And if you're the thief and you're the one that did it, guess what? That's the guy over there that did it, police. But you have to cooperate. You can't be complicit in doing it. So general rule, keep your hands off of other people's stuff. And then finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. Now, the reason why this story caught my eye is there's one thing that I hate. I don't know. Probably it's on the top 10 things to hate. All right. And that's porta potties. 
all right, I, I hate them. Um, I remember when we were back in the military, you go out to the field and you could either, you know, take your little shovel and make a little cat hole and do what you need to do, or they had porta potties. And they were the most disgusting porta potties I've ever seen in my life. I would rather go out into nature and do that. Even to this day, it has to be an emergency to go into a porta potty. So think about this. So in Minnesota, there were four suspects who stole a vehicle and it resulted in a high speed chase. And this is near Glendale, Wisconsin, uh, where they led police on this high speed chase on a busy freeway. Ultimately, the car crashes. Everybody jumps out of the car. Everybody scatters. The police go looking for a couple of suspects. One of them was caught um, on the scene, and another was arrested shortly after running from the scene. And guess where they found him? In a porta potty. Now, a concerned golfer wasn't sure what was going on, but knew somebody was inside. So what did they do? They tipped the porta potty over. Anyway, one of the suspects was found in the toilet. He seems to be wet with some sort of substance about him. What could that possibly be? Is it that blue substance and all the other stuff that's in there? Bah. I have a very slight gag reflex, ladies and gentlemen. Just the thought of that is make me want to gag right here. Anyway, yeah, the golfer tipped the toilet over until the police arrived and they um, took the suspect into custody. Like I said, one of the last places I would want to choose to hide, but I guess desperate times call for desperate actions. And uh, the reality of it is, is well, it's just gross just gross. And it reminds me of a case they had up in Boulder, Colorado years ago, where there was a guy that was getting into the porta potty, going into and watching women use the porta potty. And he was arrested in the porta potty. Anyway, that's all we have for you today. Oh, we have a bonus. I forgot. We have a bonus for you today. Take a look at this video. Okay. I think this is real. I don't know if it's real, so that's why we put it in a bonus. But maybe this woman really doesn't want her husband to be found. Take a listen. I don't even like my husband enough to be out here looking for his cheating ass. I'm happy he gone. Okay. This is the longest breakout I've ever had since we got married. He's controlling. I'm excited that he's missing. Mm. And then the police and y'all telling me I got to sit here and do a news interview asking for help. I don't want help. Mm. I like that he's missing. I don't want him to come home, but I don't want y'all, you know, when the cameras start and stuff, I'll cry a little bit and act like I miss him, but I don't I don't want the police thinking I had something to do with it because I don't care, but I'm I'm tired of him. You get what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Listen, I already done went to jail for holding my last boyfriend captive. What? But he <laughs> exactly. So with my husband missing, they really going to think it's me. I ain't did nothing. So whenever you ready, I'm ready. <laughs> If anybody has seen me, please. I don't cry so much, my tears won't even start falling out my eyes. Baby, if you listening to this, if you hear this from anywhere, please come home, y'all. Please let my man free. I love my husband. I need my. I heard somebody say it's live. This live? It's been live the whole time. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.